Welcome to Photo Mission Focus discussing photography. Hi, I'm Steve Finkel. On this episode of Focus, I'm flying solo. On this episode of Focus, I wanted to talk about, I suppose, for regular listeners who knew that doing a Tassie trip, uh, which I talked about in a previous podcast, I thought, well, I might just reflect a little bit on that trip and also share a couple of things that I think are valuable lessons that I learned while doing that trip. Firstly, the plan was to take one camera and lens and shoot the whole trip with that setup, which worked really well. And I did that with the, I had the Canon EOS R5 and a RF 24-105 f4 lens, and that combination worked really well. Fantastic. Now, one of the things I'd like to share, because it was quite cold in Tasmania, you know, some mornings we actually got down to like minus two, so it was very, very chilly. First time really shooting in a cold environment with um, my mirrorless setup. So previously I'd you know, travel the world and I'd shot with DSLRs and those type of things in cold weather and had experienced some different, you know, I suppose operational um, functionality from the camera during that time. The only thing I really noticed with the shooting on the mirrorless system in the cold was I did go through batteries much quicker than I would normally do in a normal shooting day. So in a normal shooting day, I can get a fair amount of shots from a single battery. And I actually was finding that I was actually, every day I was pretty much going to a second battery, even though I wasn't shooting, you know, thousands of images. But the cold really had affected the battery capacity that had diminished it down. So a little note there for people who are shooting mirrorless, maybe just when you do travel, like I said, I, I did go prepared. I took a, I took quite a few spare batteries with me. Definitely worth making sure that you carry a couple of spare batteries. And the other trick is obviously if you've got a jacket pocket, keep your spare batteries inside a jacket pocket rather than maybe in your backpack or camera bag or whatever because they will get cold. The trick is if you can kind of keep that spare battery uh, warm, then it just kind of helps, I think extend the capacity a bit as well but it wasn't a problem because I had I had a solution I had spare batteries but it just meant that I was I had noticed that where I hadn't really seen that before but again it was the first time I've really been out traveling in the in the cold in a colder climate and actually experiencing that so just to see that so that's just one little thing that I noticed so that might be useful for people to know who may be heading off to a a location that's much colder than when they where they normally shoot is that yeah make sure you do have plenty of batteries with you when you do that. The other thing I really want to talk about in this podcast today is really about something I learned which was really valuable. And you know, look, as photographers, we all do our research on stuff. So we go to somewhere and we typically jump on jump on Google and we start you know googling the locations we're going to and we're looking for things like yeah you know, things to photograph in such and such or must-see places or the top 10 things to do in a particular area. Doing all that was fantastic and did give us some great, I suppose, information and some great leads and some great directions to go in. But what happened was it didn't actually, I suppose, yield the best results. Funnily enough, well, not funnily enough, I suppose, when you think about it, it just makes sense, but local knowledge trumps everything. I mean, I just found we just found that when you went into an area and you just talked to the locals and said, oh, what should we see? What should we do? Is it a great place to photograph? What is there? And what we found was that local local knowledge was fantastic because people would go, oh, you, if you're here and you like photos, you should go here. Or if you, you know, if you go up on this part here and the lookout there, but around here, it's actually, it's a better view and all this type of stuff. And really, it was amazing that just talking to people, whether it be when you stop for something for lunch or whether you stop for a coffee or whatever, 
just asking people um, or where you're staying. I mean, that's where we got a lot of information from. Where we stayed, talking to you know people at reception, asking them about stuff and something very knowledgeable, and also just dropping into local and something we hadn't really done much before. But you know, there was a lot of little local tourist information centers. So these are like a little a little office where typically there's one person sits in there. And they've got heaps of brochures and maps on the wall and information and maybe some displays about some of the local stuff. And sometimes those the people working there are really some of them are super knowledgeable and they know a lot about their local area, which can really save you a lot of time. Like I said, we did all the kind of online searches and searched around for what was, you know, top ten things to do and all that type of jazz. And only to find out, like I said, that quite often there's someone who's probably breezed into town, put together a list and, and maybe glossed over some of the places that may be interesting. And like I said, locals sometimes have that knowledge. Tapping into that knowledge, like I said, is a fantastic way to really, I suppose, get the most out of your trip. So you can see the, you know, just see what your, you know, see what's around you. Because I think so many times people have said in the past, oh, did you go to such and such? And you go, no, I didn't go there. And then they show you a photo and you go, geez, I wish they had. Then again, it's just that kind of, like I said, talking to people who maybe who know that and just can share that knowledge with you. So it's a great resource. And I think it's one of the most like underrated things. I mean, I think one of the problems today is with the world going online and everyone just searching for stuff online and you tend to not, those talk to people as much i'm sure there's not as much face-to-face conversations as there used to be before the internet i think before the internet the only really way you could find out something was either pick the telephone up and ring somebody or physically go and see that person and ask some questions and get the answers now people's default i suppose method of trying to find information is oh i'll just google it and they're jumping on the internet and they're googling stuff and that's all well and good and there is a lot of really good use you know, useful information on the internet, that's one one thing for sure. But not all the information is there. Not all that information has actually made its way onto a web page or into a search or somewhere. So you, you have the potential of actually missing out on stuff because it's just not on there. And, and you could, if, if you were just purely relying on the internet as your only source of information for traveling, I think potentially you could miss some great opportunities. And I think I said, it just, like I said, I was like, so, so grateful to the knowledge that we could get from just talking to people and just asking questions about what's around here and what, you know, what's the best places to eat or where's the best places to stay or, or whatever. Sometimes, like I said, the information you can get is fantastic because, like I said, those people live there and they're locals and they can help help you out immensely. Think about your own situation. So think about where you live. Now, where you live, you know a lot about your area because you live there and you know some of the great spots for photography, you know some of the great spots for eating, you know all those type of things. You know where the where the view, best views are, you know where the best sunsets are, the, you know where the best sunrises are because you live there and you're local to it. So that's so when you think about what knowledge you have about your local area, so you've got all this knowledge about your local area that there is all around the world and all around the countryside there is people just like ourselves who live in an area and who have experience and live in that area so they have all that information 
as well. So that's a great resource and I think I think it's an underrated resource that people just don't talk anymore. And I think have that conversation, talk about it, say, oh, I'm here to take some photos, I'm here to I'm here to check out what's around and that type of stuff. And sometimes quite often you'll go, um, the person goes, Oh yeah, I love taking photos too and I'm you know, I go for a sunrise, I go down here or, you know, for the sunset I go out here. And again, that can just save you so much time because quite often when you're traveling, time is the most precious commodity time is when you're traveling something you don't have a lot of so you don't have lots of times sometimes to go back and repeat 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 to get something right quite often you're in one area for a limited amount of time so you've got to try and maximize suppose your opportunities in that area and by like i said knowledge is 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 key to have what you know where to spend your time and how to use that time wisely and i think that's one of the things that you know when you're traveling, the more efficiently you can use your time, the better experience it is for you. I mean, if you kind of swander that time and you spend it kind of running around looking in the wrong spots, quite often you may end up coming away from that trip not feeling like you've had a great time or you felt like you maybe you missed out on something. So again, I think this is something I wanted to try and I suppose drive home the point in this podcast today is about saying just talk to people around you like when you go to a new area or visit a little town or whatever just ask the people at the local bakery ask them at the local survey ask them wherever you can find someone a friendly face that you know you can have a conversation i mean some places obviously it's difficult because if they're really busy the local checkout chick probably might know a lot of stuff but she's probably busy at the checkout so it's probably that's not the ideal thing but i tend to find things like cafes and other things where you can actually strike up a conversation with somebody and you can have that couple of minutes of meaningful dialogue where you can basically, like I said, get information. And people are just, sometimes people are just so obliging as far as, like, oh, I've got a map out the back, I'll just grab it and show it to you. Or, oh, we've got these brochures down here, look, I'll show you on here and they'll they'll start ticking stuff off on the brochures and then and saying, oh, you should look at this or should look at that. And again, just giving you that information. And I said, it's absolutely golden information like I said, because when you are traveling, the thing that you have the least amount is time. So, you know, time is one of those things that in general, we all, time is something that we want to try and use wisely because time is something you could never get back. It's always an interesting concept about time is time is the one resource in your life that you can never, never kind of get more of. It's a finite thing it's just there and once you've used it it moves on and people talk about saying about money you know you know i don't want to spend the money but you know the thing about it is you can actually work a little bit harder and make more money but you can't work harder and make more time that's the thing so really you have to use what you've got wisely so yeah so look the trip um, to tassie was fantastic like i said learned a few things traveling around tasmania too which was again and until you kind of experience these things you don't realize i suppose how different you know it's the same country where you haven't left australia but you've just gone to a different um, part of australia an island state just to see the, the huge differences and one of the things that really i suppose struck me just traveling around tasmania was the amount of roadkill i just couldn't believe how much i mean there's a lot of wildlife and they virtually say don't kind of travel between dusk and dawn because you know, the wildlife's so active and so much of it, you know, will wander out into the road and unfortunately gets killed. And like I said, I've seen, it's the most roadkill I've ever seen. 10 days down there was the most roadkill I've ever seen in my whole life was in that one trip, which was like, again, 
confronting and but unfortunately it's it's something that happens and yeah it's just and i see a lot of cars down there driving around with a lot of damage to their front front of their vehicles like you see the front guards all taped up with duct tape and that and you you start to understand why because they've probably hit something several times and every time they get it repaired then something else you know wanders out and and they uh, have a collision with it so so that was one thing that i kind of noticed the other thing which i noticed was i mean obviously was the how sparse I suppose resources were and, and quite often so that was interesting that planning sometimes where you know where we if you come from kind of a big modern city you take a lot of stuff for granted you take you know the fact that if you need fuel and you drive past the first service station that you don't you think oh yeah just I'll, I'll I'll get at the next one or the next one so we don't think too much of it but what I did notice is that things like service stations and stuff like that to fill up the car was um, quite often there was big distances between service stations. So if you didn't know that, and a few places we want to talk to people, one of the things they said, oh, if you're driving to such and such, fill up at this town because there's no fuel stations for the next couple of hours or whatever driving. So you want to fill up at this point so you, you make sure that you've got plenty of fuel. And again, that type of information is valuable because we can come from, I suppose, using our experiences and how we live in a modern city and how when you go somewhere different that it's not going to be the same it's going to be some of the things that we just take for granted aren't going to be there so again asking the questions using local knowledge can really i suppose enhance your trip so you're not getting caught out running out of fuel or you know not being able to get the food you want and again like you know i remember we were talking to someone in the morning we're heading on to such and such and they said well if you want to grab some you know anything from a supermarket the last like major supermarket is here you know the last fuel stop really is is there between those two points so you want to stop there and stock up and get what you need and again that's really useful information and again it's hard to kind of i suppose sometimes you could probably search around on internet and try and find that information but sometimes that's very difficult and i notice that's one thing about using you know had been using the internet a fair bit during that trip just trying to like when people did say go here then i'd try and then narrow the search down because i had a bit more information to put into because quite often when you do search stuff you put quite a generic description in so it's quite quite broad so it's no wonder sometimes it doesn't actually drill right down and give you the results so even sometimes when you get really specific you don't always get the results that you think you're going to get. And then sometimes, like we said, we're kind of a little bit trained by using the internet is that we put a search in and we get some results back and we kind of go, well, that's it. That's all there is to see there. And the reality is that's not the way it is. Quite often there's a lot, lot more there that's just never made it onto the internet. And again, we're kind of growing up in this and there's a whole generation who when originally when I you know, went on road trips when I was younger, it was all done on a map. So basically you you had a map and you looked at the map and you looked at the different ways to get from A to B and quite often, like most road trips, there's multiple ways to get from A to B and sometimes, you know, there's a shortest route and sometimes there's a longer route and there's different reasons for why you might take a particular route. It could be because the road the road condition on a the shorter route might be shorter but the road might be a really bumpy, terrible road and then the longer one might be a much smoother highway type ride. So again you would look at the map and try and work out what it is. But knowing the little, I suppose, those little bits and pieces about versus this road versus that, quite often there's stuff that, you know, we used to be able to just kind of have to work it out. And then now we've got the internet and then we kind of just now believe the internet and we jump on that and what we see. But again, my experience was 
a great experience from the point of view that I had never really thought about the power of local knowledge and it's really made me I suppose really rethink a lot of stuff about how we search for stuff and how we find out our information like I said you know we touted that all this AI technology and all these searches and all this stuff is going to reveal all this stuff to us and the reality is that still just having a conversation with a real person sometimes just yields the best information like I said we all like I said if you if you take your own experience and your own your own knowledge base that you're sitting on an enormous amount of information even though you don't probably think about it every day you wouldn't normally think about it but you think about it that if if a stranger came into town a person who's never been to your area and they came up to you in the street and said hey I'm I'm new to town I've come here I'm I'm here for 24 hours and I want to know where where should I go what should I look at where should I go to eat where can I go and buy a new jacket where can I do this or what whatever that you're going to actually have those answers to that person. You're going to actually better say to them, "Oh, if you want to, you know, if you're looking for this style of food, this is your place. Go down here; they're they're fantastic." Or if you're looking for fish and chips, go to this go to this fish and chip place. It's just absolutely amazing. And again, we all have this local knowledge of, of stuff that we, from our own experiences, because when you go and do something, if you go and buy fish and chips, and it's a really great experience, the fish and chips is fantastic. You're going to remember that that's going to be kind of in your memory bank and it's going to be a part of your information set that you have about your local area. Similarly, if you go and have a buy fish and chips and it's really the fish is really terrible, the chips are really cold and greasy and not very pleasant, again, you're going to remember that. And if someone was to ask you about where not to go, you're going to be saying, don't go to shop A because they're terrible. Go to shop B, it's fantastic. And again, just using that local knowledge is a fantastic way to, I suppose, really enhance your experience. And like I said, try and break away from this idea that everything's on the internet. Everything's there at your fingertips. You know, you can jump on and you can get all this wonderful information. And like I said, from a lot of it, that is true. There's a lot of really good information, but it's not the be-all and end-all. It's not the only place you can find this stuff. So really strike up those conversations and start talking to the locals and find out exactly you know get the lay of the land as they say yeah so it's fantastic so i'll share a little bit might just share a little bit more of the the tasmanian trip just some of the stuff that i captured for those you know people may be interested what type of stuff i was shooting one of the things which i was i was really keen because i'd seen a bit of it and i wanted to try and capture a bit more was the street art um scene in tasmania and it's really really strong across tasmania this street art you know there's a you know, there's a little town called Sheffield, and Sheffield, amazing, it's a town of murals, and it's just got all these amazing murals. It has a mural park where they've got these structures set up where people come in paint, and it's an annual thing, And but nearly every building in town has an amazing mural on it, which is absolutely fantastic. So you can just wander around. We stopped there as a coffee, you know, stop, and got a coffee, and then just wandered up and down the streets and around the little laneways and, and that type of stuff, and just saw some absolutely amazing street art like it was it was so I suppose it was so well done some of the stuff and it was just great to be able to just wander around and just kind of explore and discover not and like I said you just kind of you know bumping around a corner and go oh look down here and then you kind of end up somewhere else and you're just finding more and more stuff to photograph so that was kind of I suppose the you know one of the things that I, I captured quite a lot was and that was right across Tasmania, like in everywhere I went, I kind of 
I suppose, sought out street art and tried to capture it. Obviously, all the usual stuff as far as, you know, going to scenic locations, things like Cradle Mountain, going down to Dove Lake, did did the whole circuit of Dove Lake, walked right around the whole um, Dove Lake in Cradle Mountain, and there's plenty of opportunities to get photos, like, as you're going around the lake and getting it from different angles, and, of course, as you're walking around, the light's changing, so you can get kind of some different looks. I think that's kind of like those iconic places like that, and then obviously in places like Launceston, you know, there's the gorge which is up behind the city. So you just you got the city, and then just not far from the city, you have got this amazing natural gorge which water comes rushing down. And again, it's just again it's so. I suppose it's just so cool to go and see these things and and have a look. Similarly in Hobart, making a trip from Hobart up to Mount Wellington, and Mount Wellington is gives you a kind of a an overall view of all of Hobart, which is quite fantastic. And it's just a a really interesting landscape up there with the rock formations. It's super super it was super super cold and windy up there, and they do get wind gusts up to 170 kilometers an hour up there, which I can believe because it was the day we were there. It was absolutely holding the camera was a challenge outside because the wind was blowing so hard that camera was acting like a sail and wanting to be moved so you had to really kind of you had to really kind of knuckle down and hold it try and hold things still and I was trying to do some video on my phone and literally you can see in the video you can see each time the wind gusts the phone does this dipping action because the wind was so strong I was really trying not to have the phone move but the wind was so strong but again it was kind of great experience to get up there and see it so there was some you know did some of the, the normal kind of I suppose touristy spots but then again there was lots of little side detours to things like lookouts and blowholes and things like that and up on the east coast you know went to the Bay of Fires and there's some amazing um, rock formations and the colours of the rocks um, again it's a beautiful beautiful part of Tasmania and again it was just something a good to, good to be able to go there, and again when went to Bay of Fires, I mean I think the the breeze blowing there was just incredibly cold, again which causes you know gives it a couple of challenges because quite often you can't spend a lot of time out, and these are one of the challenges too shooting in cold weather is that obviously having your hands uncovered. I tend to find I struggle sometimes to shoot with gloves on. I tend to like to shoot just with um without gloves, but yeah, again it's kind of like. It's challenging sometimes that you have to work under the conditions that you work on, but again, you you work out your I suppose you work out your technique and you work out a way to do it, and then you you get the shots. So yeah, and, and again, like there was lots of other I suppose moments along the way where I tried to capture some of the uniqueness of Tasmania, like some of the more quirky stuff. You know, there's um, different things there that have been there for years and years and years, and um, just going and capturing. Um, some images of those was kind of something that I wanted to do just to so I can you know basically document where I've been and and that type of stuff and again it was uh, all in all it was a great trip and I'd thoroughly recommend anyone who wants to kind of go somewhere different particularly if you live in Australia and you haven't been to Tasmania drop down there and have a look because seriously there's some fantastic photo opportunities and again but ask the locals talk to people find out where to go get the, get the good oil there's an old saying about getting the good oil in australia i don't know if i don't know if it's used in 
around the world, but it's it's a saying about getting the good oil is meaning getting the good information, getting talking to people, and they'll tell you the right stuff so you're not led astray. So again, it's something I'm just learning again about. It's something I suppose it's a lesson that years and years ago, before the internet, it was something we did without even thinking. You just ask somebody, like I said, but we've all been conditioned to to ask the internet. Yeah, and if it's not on the internet, then we for some reason we may think that it doesn't exist and that's simply not the case there's a lot of fantastic stuff out there and again it's going to be discovered just using tapping into local knowledge and just finding out what's around you and the best things to see until next time i hope this has got you thinking about maybe your next trip and how you may plan and how you may get information hopefully it might just give you a different way of of doing that when this comes out on thursday i'll actually be in in Melbourne, traveling around Melbourne, and I'm heading down to Melbourne for a few days to capture some of the street art stuff there. They've got some amazing street art in some of the Melbourne um, landscape. And again, I'll be, and I've already, you know, been talking to people who um, live in the area and getting, I suppose, the good oil on some of the stuff to visit. So I've got a bit of a list already. Um, so I didn't, I haven't actually at this point had to really search the internet. I've been able to get a lot of information by just chatting to people, so fantastic. So, and until next time, enjoy your photography, and uh, we'll talk again real soon. See ya.